that the whole time. <laughs> You're listening to Something Weird. I'm Brooke, and this is our co-host, Anna. Hello, everyone. Here you'll find semi-regular dialogue on all things paranormal or even just a little bit weird. We're lifelong friends who have had an affinity for the strange since we met, and now we're here to explore these phenomena with you. Even it's simple. Yeah, just uh, classic. Just wanted to keep things OG. Alright, I like it. So each week, one of us will dig into a paranormal tale as we ponder the question, do we want to believe? And it's back to me. I kind of got an extra week off, actually. <laughs> with our special guest, and then you're... Oh, such a good telling of the Cecil Hotel. That was. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That story just still blows me away each and every time. Awful, but so fascinating. So, yeah, I got an extra week off. Okay, so kind of a weird preface for this one, but I want you to think about as a kid – And I feel like you'll probably have examples of this. Actually, we kind of talked about it last week and talking about like ghosts um, in haunted places. But as a kid, do you feel like you ever had really weird, unexplainable experiences? Like as a young child. Think about it. Like me, I kind of have one that has always boggled my mind and I'm not entirely sure what it is but I used to have this like recurring dream that I probably have told you about this before just in conversation but it's this dream where I would be either like in an empty space or in some like very desolate place so think like this thing that comes to mind, like what flashes back in my mind is just like an empty, um, like cube that I'm just in like a white cube or I'm in just like a very empty, pretty barren forest. Very alone is always kind of the key thing. And then all of a sudden, and it was the exact same feeling every time that I had this dream, but this really weird sort of like pressure would come over me, but not a like, I'm being pushed down type of pressure, but it was more panic pressure. If that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. And it would be like, I had to do something. And for many times, most of the times I had the dream, it would be grasping something. So I had to like physically grasp something, but it was so impossible that the feeling would like completely overwhelm me and like, I could not escape it. Like I couldn't, I couldn't not feel that overwhelming pressure of like, this is impossible. I really strange, (laughs) but I had a ton when I was a kid and then I would wake up and that pressure would like linger, but it would almost be like tingly. And I would be just like frozen in bed awake and just like, fuck, like I can't shake it. And it would happen all the time. And it was never like I was scared necessarily. It would just be like, oh, I had that dream again. Like I just yeah. need to shake this feeling. Thinking about it now, it's really weird. It's a very, I don't know, has kind of like an otherworldly 
sense to it. Yeah. So it wasn't a normal, you're waking up from a nightmare, like, like you're scared wanting to go see your mommy or something. No, it was, yeah, I was never like terrified. It was just this, even by the time that I woke up, I was completely frozen in this pressure, in this awful feeling. And I would just kind of like wait for it to go away and well, then go back to sleep. It sounds kind and of like a night terror. Over and over. Kind of. Yeah. Cause it has that like a little bit of sleep paralysis. I don't know if it actually, I don't think it actually was sleep paralysis, but it was just so bizarre. And there was nothing, there was no narrative. Like there was no story happening in the dream. It would just be the feeling. And then me in this like empty space. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds pretty awful though. <laughs> Sorry. I have no explanation for it. It's cool. Do you have anything weird that like it was specifically like as you were a kid that you felt or experienced? I mean, only like dreams, just recurring dreams that I used to have. But I, I don't think that's out of the ordinary in any way. I remember getting really like feeling like there was something I would know when something was around me that I should feel scared about or I would convince myself of that when you just get that feeling like the hair on the back of your neck stands up and you're just like creeped out and you have no idea why it just kind of comes over you mm-hmm. that's pretty much the closest I can get no that makes sense like yeah. you had just a little bit of a sense and I just ask because I feel like it's really common for especially in films it's been like long portrayed that kids are more susceptible to like experiencing the odd, yeah. right? Whether it's like you have a ghost as your friend or there's some like evil presence or you experience something with just zero logical explanation. Yeah. I feel like, and maybe, I don't know, you can disagree, but I feel like it's really common for kids to be portrayed as having almost like a sixth sense when it comes to these types of experiences. Yeah. I think it makes sense too, because they're not, they're not as cynical. Generally, not as cynical. And there's not this wall that gets put up. And I don't know, maybe just kind of more perceptive because of, not just because of that, but potentially. Well, and we've, we've talked about before, like being open to experiences will lead to those experiences. So if you have a child who hasn't quite developed particular opinions and thoughts and beliefs on a particular whatever ghosts or demons or I don't know whatever it is yeah they could just be more susceptible because of that who knows but I always think about that and always think about why that might be Mm -hmm. why is it that kids seem to be like targeted is that just a simple thing for Hollywood to do or is there like actually something going on yeah so that was kind of my preface and what why I was interested in this particular series of stories and it just kind of got me thinking about that overall question again. I have a series of strange stories of children disappearing without a trace, only to return safe and sound, but with no real explanation of what happened to them. Again, kind of leading to, like, we've talked about people disappearing, and we've talked about people losing time. But why these kids and these experiences and what they're able to recall is... I thought very interesting. I'm just going to take you through some. Yes, please. 
So this, I guess, I don't know, type of occurrence is not new, even though I'm just thinking of it as like Hollywood portraying kids like this. Mm -hmm. If you actually look at the records, there have been reports of children going missing, appearing, and zero evidence as to what actually happened to them, dating back to 1897. Now, this report is short, albeit, but 1897, something like this occurred. So it's August, summertime, and we're in Maine. So it's a six-year-old girl named Lillian Carney, and she is, again, your Maine cute summertime. And she's out with her parents picking blueberries, as you do. According to the parents, she just disappeared, vanished right from under their noses. She was there one second, gone the next. So it started just with the parents searching for the girl, calling out her name. Quickly, it grew to over 200 people scouring the area, calling out her name, but to no avail. Couldn't find her. Finally, after an extensive search, Lillian was finally found in the woods, just sitting in the middle of the woods in a dazed, trance-like state. They asked her over and over what had happened to her. She simply said, I was in the forest where, quote, The sun had shone the entire time. And that's all she could describe. As she was in a place in the forest and the sun never stopped shining. And this is weird because of the weather that day. It was a partly cloudy day. She was in a very thick canopy of trees far away from any town. So not a lot of light would be getting through. And she was missing overnight. She was gone for around 46 hours. Yet, according to Lillian, it was continuous sunlight and the sun shone the whole time. Other than that, there's nothing known about what happened to her. Okay. Weird. Yeah. And again, this is 1897, so we don't have like an intensive investigation that goes into what happened to her. But... You can see this has been going on for a while. Yeah. Just lost time. And for her, it was just like a short afternoon in the woods. But she was gone for 46 hours. Gosh. And things like this continue. So now we jump to 1922. And we're in Sweden now. All sorts of words and towns that I can't pronounce. But let's see. We're in the village of Orstra. So eight-year-old Austin Engstrom lives with his parents, not surprisingly. And one day he is walking home. <laughs> that was Wild. that was a piece of information about him. He wasn't uh, out on the land making making a life for himself. Yeah, he wasn't living in the frat house with the bros. Dang. He was living at home. What a little bitch. So he lives at home. Um, has a pretty normal life. <laughs> one day he's walking home from school um, along with one of his classmates. And as they're walking home, they decide that they're going to go um, over to the classmate's house and play with some other kids that are there. Like not out of the ordinary, very what we would do if okay. we went to school together. <laughs> so they spend the afternoon playing. They're done around like 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And then Austin leaves the classmate's house and starts his walk home alone. 
Now, his place wasn't very far from the friend's house. He had done this walk many, many times before, and it should have taken him no more than 30 minutes to get home, but he never arrived. By the time it was 7.30 p.m. that night, his family began to panic, having no idea where he was. So the parents sent Austin's older brother, Gustav, to find him. Gustav went to the classmate's house, talked with him, asked where he might have been, and the friend said he left at 3.30. He should be home. I have no idea. So the brother goes, looks around the, the entire route that he would have taken walking home. No sign of his brother. So finally, he is kind of exhausted his own search. So he goes back home to tell his parents, just dreading telling them that he found nothing. Yeah. But when he gets home, there's Austin sitting there with his parents, shivering and in a trance-like state. By the time that they got him to talk, he said that when he was walking home, he decided that he would take a detour through a wooded area. And this is where things got weird. He explains that the forest had suddenly come alive with a strange mix of wildlife that was crawling out from the bushes, trees, and the earth, all scurrying around him. And as this happened, the day turned dark. It was the afternoon. It was 3.30. It should have been light. And all of a sudden, he said it was like a big dark cloud came over the sky. But when he looked up, the sky was still clear. As he was looking up, he noticed that there was something above him. And he says, this is a quote from him. I looked up and noticed three gray objects hovering silently above me. They were so close I could have thrown a stone at them. Objects were pulsating (laughs) as if they were breathing. And I saw two dark lines on them. A bit further away, over the woods, another two objects were floating. They were bigger and darker than the ones above me. So he says the next thing that he's able to remember is him lying on the road in the dark a short distance from his home. He was freezing cold and completely disoriented, still kind of in a trance-like state. He said, in the sky, a pulsing light was retreating into the night and everything around him that was completely dead is silent. He was able to get himself up and walk himself to his parents' house. And that's when he decided to tell them what happened. But of course, his parents do thought it was just his imagination running wild. Strangely, Gustav, the brother, when he went out to look for him, he searched that entire area and had actually walked the road that Austin claimed to be lying on. So if he woke up in the middle of the road, Gustav would have seen him, but he didn't. Oh my gosh. So there were a total of four hours that were gone, essentially, from the time that he left the friend's house to finally kind of stumbling back home. Years later, his story kind of got around in the news, and then there was a Swedish ufologist, Klaus Swan. Oh. Whatever. He decided to interview the boy, probably not a boy anymore, but he wanted to learn more. He wanted specifically to know what happened in those lost hours. So this is according to Austin again. Where was I during those hours? I estimate having been gone around four and a half hours. I didn't arrive home until half past seven or eight o'clock in the evening. I almost got beaten because they believed I was lying. They sent me to bed and I was bedridden for days with a fever. Probably I had caught a cold lying in the road. 
It looked as if the object were pulsating simultaneously all three of them, just like, strange, just like octopus functioning. So just that like, up above him. They moved in a very elegant way, changed direction, and appeared to steer with this pulsating. Where was I? Gustav cycled this way while I was lying there without seeing me, and I have pondered on this so many times. So he still just doesn't know. Nope. Yeah, to this day, as to what actually happened to him, no one knows. Sorry, Austin. Yeah. Jump forward again to the 60s. So this one is from Reddit, because all good things come from Reddit. And I also got this from Mysterious Universe, so credit to them, because they're awesome. Yeah, double the trouble there. The author of this kind of like went down a Reddit hole, which is great. Who doesn't love a good Reddit hole? And he was able to find some similar stories of like kids in particular, and this sort of just missing, missing time experience. This is from a Redditor who was told this story by his father. So just keep that in mind. Okay. So we're in, again, late 60s in Ethiopia. The father at the time was about nine years old. On this day, it was another kind of typical day. The father had his friend over, whose name was Gabriel, and they were just playing in the fence backyard. Play date, nothing abnormal. Then he goes... My dad turns back for a second and then turns to look back at his friend and Gabriel is gone. It's important to note that my dad and Gabriel were from the top 1% of Ethiopia's ruling elite. My dad's father was minister of the interior of Ethiopia and Gabriel's father was a four-star general of Ethiopia. So the backyard that this kid disappeared from, Gabriel, had a 10-foot bricked wall with armed guards patrolling on the outside. Very difficult for him to run out without anyone seeing him a couple of hours passed and my dad's parents and the guards were searching but no luck to find gabriel 48 hours had passed now there is a nationwide search for this kid because it's the general's kid so people care it's all over the news police are searching the police are going door to door describing him and what he was wearing when he disappeared in a private school uniform white shirt brown pants There were helicopters that were searching the countryside looking for him, but still nothing. A month passed, and then two, and then four, and people started losing hope that he would ever be found. Oh, that's so awful. So it's been at least four months. Two more months pass, when all of a sudden, there's Gabriel. He was found in the same fenced-off backyard, wearing the same clothes he had been wearing when he vanished. The boy seemed dazed and confused in a trance-like state and appeared to only think that just a couple hours had passed rather than six months. So the Redditor continues in his story. He says, this is where things get weird. Oh, gosh. Once, Once they confirmed that he was okay, they started asking questions. Where have you been? He said a couple of nice men took him on a trip. He was in a white room that glowed and other children were there from different countries. He said he was surprised that the nice men who looked like white guys could speak Ethiopian and he could understand what the other children were saying, even though they were not Ethiopian. The white glowing room had no windows and the doors disappeared into the walls. 
There were buttons on the walls. And if a kid pushed them, a bed would come out of the wall. That's he so said specific. He, you know, right? There were these super sick beds that just popped out of the walls. What? He said he was then all of a sudden in a city. The, the city was glowing. It was clean. And cars were flying around him. He said there were people there, but they looked strange. Like us, but kind of different. One nice man was still with him and took him to a tall building where he said he had to stay there for a while, but showed him a room that he could use for entertainment. Gabriel said he could push a button. Love those buttons. Another button. And the room itself would go places, an open field to the beach. It's like it would fly around. He said after a couple of hours, he had been taken back to Ethiopia and appeared in the backyard. He thought he was gone just a couple hours total. No one believed him. And again, this is according to the Redditor. He says, Ethiopia is a super religious country. Most adults around him thought that he was possessed by the devil. Gabriel even was forced to see a priest to get the evil spirits out of him. My dad still kept in contact with him throughout their lives. Gabriel now has a doctorate in physics and works in Holland. Oh my gosh. Isn't that wild? He's like, I gotta know what happened. Yeah, like, what the fuck happened to me? But that would be so hard to believe. Like, even without, like, a superstitious or, like, religious community. Well, yeah. I wouldn't believe him. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to, I, like, don't even know what I would believe. It's so, because it's so specific, like, all the things that he's saying. And it's not like he was in trouble or doing anything like bad no I just I don't know I mean I can only well again if this is even true like if this even happened sure like imagine being those parents your son has gone for six months and then comes back with this insane story of what may have happened to him yeah and you would still just be like riddled with thoughts of what actually happened like, what did my son go through mm-hmm. for six months? And you still wouldn't really know because there's no way we will ever know if this happened to him. <sighs> How uh, awful. Yeah, Just on top of around. everything, they can't even, like, start kind of healing. Um, right. And so. now they're worried that their son is possessed by the devil? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's <sighs> never ideal, but you win some, yeah. you lose some. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that's kind of my favorite. Okay, so we're just going to jump forward to a more modern one. We're going to jump to 2013. Okay. Another very strange case. So it's the summer of 2013. A two-year-old Amber Rose Smith vanished from her home in Nuego County, Michigan. According to the father, he had been watching her play with the family's two dogs when he stepped inside for a moment to relieve himself. Go to piss. Go to piss. So he goes inside. He has to pee. Comes back. When he goes back outside, she's nowhere to be seen. And she would not respond to her name being called out. The dogs finally came back, but they didn't have Amber with them. So obviously this turns into panic and then eventually will turn into hundreds of volunteers and emergency workers going out and searching for little Amber. And remember, she's two years old. Oh my gosh. So, Yeah. So the next day, she was found around two miles from her home, and she was standing in the middle of the road that had already been searched and was staring into space. So again, found 
no reasonable explanation as to why they're there. And in this dazed, like, trance, just, like, completely kind of unaware. Like, yeah. all of these stories the kids have described a trance-like state. So where she was, in the middle of the road, staring into space. She was unable to express what had happened to her. Granted, she's two. But clearly, she was in a state of shock and was completely disoriented. What's glaringly strange about this is that she is a two-year-old that somehow was able to navigate her way through very thick and cold um, night temperatures in the woods around their house. Like, how do you... How does anyone do that? I know. I was just going to say, I feel like I wouldn't even be able to get through that. And it's nighttime. One of the um, sheriffs that was on the case, his name is Brian Boyd, he said of the incident, quote, it's hard to imagine how a two-year-old can survive that distance through the woods with that kind of temperature. I guess it dropped to very cold. There's some that aren't convinced she walked that entire distance. Maybe she was dropped off. Those are things we might have to determine in the future. Ultimately, they never found any evidence of anything. She just appeared. No tracks, no sighting, no nothing of who could have dropped her there if she was dropped off. She was so little, too. Just a little, little, little baby. Yeah. Okay, I have one more. It's a short one. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Yeah, these are just, it's just my okay. I know. <laughs> There's so many of them, too. You hear about them kind of in passing, but they're not talked about as much as you would think, all things considered. Right. Well, and I just thought this was so strange that they're different, like obviously very different experiences, but they all have this common thread of like lost time, strange location, and how the kids come out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting that for the most part, when you're able to talk to the child after the fact, there's no fear. Like, these kids aren't coming out of these experiences like, holy shit, that was the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. This super weird thing just happened. Mm -hmm. And just kind of like, I haven't talked to them personally, but it seems like it's just almost an acceptance of what happened. It doesn't seem like there's huge amounts of trauma, like in other cases for some adult situations like this. Yeah, where like, if this happened to an adult and obviously we know it has happened to adults like there is trauma i mean we did that episode on the fucking therapist for abductees yeah there is a level of trauma so i wonder if there's something you know if these are abductions or whatever it is again like why kids i wonder if there's something about the way that the experience is processed i don't know yeah easier or more Okay, so one last one for you. This is another kind of child. He was living with a foster family at the time on a very wooded property. Again, the wood seemed to be very common as Mm -hmm. well. So he lives on this wooded property, but when there's a clear trail that he and his foster brother would hike together often. They knew the area very well, and on this day, they went for a walk along it. And it was just a lovely, like, summer's day. Sounds nice. But, of course, something happens. This is their account. To clarify a bit, while walking on the trail, you could see clear as day. 
to a lake and a huge clearing or camping area where people would often take their campers. I would say a mile away at the most. My brother and I frequented the trail a lot because we liked catching bugs and frogs and all of that stuff. Oh. I like that. There was one day, it was bright, sunny in the middle of July. This is in the Midwest of the U.S., so muggy and hot. I'm reading his account, so there's a lot of errors, just okay. to remind you. Me and him are walking the trail, and I hear what started out to be a faint clicking sound. To this day, I have yet to hear any sound like it. It progressively got louder to the point that you would have to be deaf not to hear it. The weird part was that my brother didn't hear a thing. It started to startle me on how loud it was. My brother decided to start carving into a tree, which he did frequently. But I urged him that we should leave because I was scared. Once he started something, he had to finish it. So I had to wait for him to finish. So I stepped no more than maybe 15 to 20 paces from him. But when I did that, it felt like my foot had fell through something, so I stumbled a bit looking down. When I looked up, nothing looked familiar, and it seemed like I was dropped in the middle of a forest with no end to it. It was really cold, and there was absolutely no sound. My brother was nowhere to be found, and I felt extremely terrified, so I took off yelling and screaming. I ran for a good distance, and I had the same sensation where I felt like I missed a step, and stumbled forward. When I looked up, everything was normal, and I could hear my family calling my name. When I approached them, they looked frantic and said they had been looking for me for a couple of hours, but no one believed me. Mm. That one gives me chills. It kind of reminds me, it's very different, obviously, but it kind of reminds me, I was mushroom foraging at Hillary's farm, well, in the forest. And it's like acres and acres of land. And I was, you know, I was fine just kind of wandering around and it had started raining and the forest was super dark. You don't really realize how dark it gets. At least I didn't, especially because mm-hmm. I think it was about September or October. Like it was past, no, it must have been later. It was past the peak mushroom foraging time. And we still found a shit ton. But (laughs) Hillary and my mom lost me. And I kind of just kept wandering around looking for more mushrooms, even though it was pouring. And then I realized I was Uh alone. I had no idea where I was. So I kind of followed a couple things. I did the, you know, look at the moss and where it grows. And then I, I found a creek and I knew that they were on the other side of the creek. I can't imagine being a little kid and also not having anyone like knowing that no one's really looking for you at that point. Yeah. I feel like this is the first one where he's just like, fuck, like just got lost as if he was like dropped into some, I don't know. I'm like limbo. Yes. Or some, you know, alternate realities sort of it just scares me. Yeah. I just think of the the snail that we sent into another dimension. Oh. He felt. So we yeah, probably shouldn't chuck snails. I'm sure that's what happened. <laughs> I'm sure that's what happened to the snail. Yeah. You know. Poor guy. <laughs> so that's just a few. 
I skipped many. And all of them still had a lot of the similar feel. Again, the lost time, the strange location, and just not really understanding or having any sort of explanation as to what happened to them. But it brings me back to my question of like, why kids? Mm -hmm. I know that this is something that happens to adults, just like ghost hauntings or like other paranormal experiences happen to adults. But is there potentially some reason that kids are more susceptible, more open to it? I don't know. So I just kind of started digging. Ultimately, the most literature out there and like the most conversation around this really comes down to psychology and then it was reminding me a lot of stuff that like I taught and we studied as a class in terms of like developmental psychology and you know if you want to take that logical approach it certainly could answer some of these experiences or like some of the questions but I don't know I'll see what you think so Like this idea that kids might have a paranormal experience is nothing new. And there have been a number of developmental psychologists, so they study specifically child development, have looked into why this might be. And a lot of it actually stems from previous concerns surrounding imaginary friends. Did you ever have Hmm. an imaginary friend? Uh, No, not one that I could like see. I would pretend I mean I guess that's everyone (laughs) Um, I'm just realizing how stupid that sounded (laughs) yes and no like I had friends or like imaginary stories that I would create in my head of people but I knew that they weren't real it wasn't little Timmy being like look at Polly. She's right next to me. You know, right, was, right, right, right. I was more so playing make-believe. Yeah. No, I did the same. I didn't have a like, you know, this is my person that would like, yeah. follow me around, but I would certainly like make up situations or yeah. whatever. But previously, decades ago in psychology, having an imaginary friend was believed to be a warning sign of mental illness. This sort of like imaginative thinking or being disillusioned was a red flag Hmm. in children. That has been completely debunked. Um, I was going (laughs) to say. Yeah. (laughs) It would make sense. (laughs) And as kind of psychology developed and and got a a bit more advanced, and then you had like big name people come in, like um, Jean Piaget, who's like the child psychologist, they started to realize that this sort of imaginary play was just part of the developmental process. Many developmental psychologists would say that children are simply hardwired to learn through their imagination and Mm. pretend play is like fundamental to that type of learning. With that, however, and this is where we might have an explanation, is that when kids are constantly in this state of fantasy and pretend play, they can themselves slip between reality and fantasy far more easier than adults can. So with that, they can confuse reality and fantasy very easily. So you see kids convinced that there's a monster under their bed, or like they for sure just saw Princess Sophia doing whatever. And it's like a memory that they've created, but it was fantasy. They're kind of like blind 
between reality and fantasy is just much more blurred as they're mm-hmm. developing, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, There's definitely. So many like new connections and growth and all this stuff happening that not surprising that some of that might kind of cross over. Yeah. Ultimately, psychologists would say claiming to see a ghost or having these very strange experiences or feeling like you disappeared or went to like a different dimension, it could simply just be a slip into fantasy. And it's very, very easy for adults to listen to that and dismiss it as whatever. Like, that's just nonsense. Yeah. They have found that dismissing an experience like that can actually be pretty, like, detrimental to the child. Mm -hmm. And their ability to, like, freely think and create makes sense. If you're having someone that is a caretaker tell you that you're crazy, that's not going to be good. Definitely. So there's definitely one side that says, this is just children. This is how they learn. This is how they think. There's not much more going on here. There's another side of it that would say, this is more than just the brain developing and neurons firing, connections being made, whatever. Mm -hmm. They would argue that because there is this blurred line between reality and fantasy Mm -hmm. that children don't have a defined reality like as they're growing up they don't have a real sense of what is real and what isn't because it's still fuzzy and they're still like slipping in and out of it so because of that because they're more open which is kind of what we were saying Mm -hmm. they can more easily have these experiences or be visited by spirits or be possessed by demons they're simply more susceptible because they don't have like the hard frame of reality that adults create for themselves. Yeah. Okay. So it's essentially kind of going back to what I feel like we've always said of if the walls aren't up, things can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like just more open in general. I felt like all of that and those different stories um, and kind of trying to dig into like even what psychologists have found and explanations that they have, like, yeah, there is a little bit of an explanation of children learning and developing and creating their sense of reality. However, that does not give me an explanation as to why this kid disappeared for 48 hours and thought that they went to like a hotel in the sky. Yeah, it's not just an afternoon, like, in your fantasy land. These are huge chunks of time that are Mm -hmm. affecting other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like it could almost be something that the minds, you know, if these particular cases that I just went through are abductions, perhaps the minds of those children were simply just easier to access than the mind of an adult that's Mm -hmm. going to have more walls and more of like a structured reality to get through. I don't know. Well, also that's like woo woo, but I kind of, well, if we're going down the woo woo path, (laughs) you could also think maybe these things are even happening to adults, but because reality is such a defined notion they're just dismissing it as a dream or yeah, something totally. else that didn't actually is, happen. Right. Which is like 
100%. I feel like we've talked about this before that it's like an evolutionary skill that humans have to organize and make sense of information because otherwise like we wouldn't be able to function. So with that, we prune and like things that don't make sense or experiences that don't quite fit, we will either get rid of or will stand out and be very significant to us. I completely agree that in most human cases, we will orient an experience to make sense. And when that's impossible, then you see the adults that are experiencing trauma or have these lifelong impacts because that thing that shouldn't have happened stands out and is significant. I don't know what my point is, but fuck, I just believe it. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I think it kind of falls within like always, big shrug. Like, how can you say anything unless you're just going to be a, like, hard ass and just say, yeah, like, none of this, I don't believe any of it. That's one thing. But if you're going to be open, why wouldn't this just be another one of those instances? Because there's no explanation. Even if you're anti, tell me what happened then. Where were they? Yeah. Were they abducted for six months, for 40 hours? I mean, maybe. Maybe that is the case. But for all of them, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely one of those fuck it, why not situations. I don't know. I just, I was surprised with myself that even when, because typically, especially in stories like this, I'll... I'll be more willing to side with the logical explanation of what's happening, but I couldn't even find a logical explanation. They were going somewhere with the whole fantasy reality. They're not sure which is which, but like that does not explain the depth and like just wide array of experiences of children. Yeah. That just gives me no real explanation for it. So I'm far more open to a like, big shrug why not because giving me nothing else yeah I guess I don't know yeah so in so many cases a lot of what we talk about reminds me of Pascal's wager are you familiar with that term no in context you'd be like okay that makes sense but I I actually like figured out what it specifically means so is this the selling your soul thing like the ultimate, yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. Pascal's yeah, yeah, yeah. ultimate conclusion is like the risks of not believing in God are far greater than the costs of believing in God. So it's kind of, I don't know, like Pascal's wager with the paranormal for us, I guess. No, totally. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I was, I was actually, Zach and I were just talking about that. I guess I didn't know the name that it had like that. Yeah. But yeah, we were talking about just that concept. And then I was really sad I wasn't teaching psychology anymore because I wanted to do that. On Billions, there was one scene. She just took out a piece of paper and like a $20 bill. And it was like, like if you, if you sign this saying that you're selling me your soul, you can have the $20, something like that. And then the like hedge fund girl took it and like paused for a second. And was like, 
should I sign it? You know, yeah. a person that's like completely runs her entire life off of like science and logic and nothing else. And she was like, see, you, you paused, you for a moment questioned, is this really worth it? You know, this potential that maybe I'm selling my soul, like damn to hell. I just thought that was so interesting. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. Even just not that not believing in aliens will like, but I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> I mean, who knows? But yeah. <laughs> it, it is just kind of like, there's no, I don't see a downside to having an open mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like cost benefit of that. What cost is it to me to believe that there is something outside of my understanding? Right. Zero. A shit ton that's outside of my understanding. Most things are outside of my understanding. So if we're going to go by (laughs) that barometer, then I'll wage it all. (laughs) That's where I'm at. I like that. I love it. And I love just the kind of idea of, you know, it's not even just these like ghostly appearances or experiences. It's like physical manifestations of something. And they're specifically happening to kids. Um, mm-hmm. or kids are just allowing it to, to be what it is. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I like it. So you have another big shrug from us. We're all in. Um, we feel there is no cost to believing, so we're going to believe it all the way, but we want to know what you think too. Do you think that there is some logical explanation? Does this just come down to psychology? Is maybe something more at play? Let us know what you think. Decide for yourselves. So you can tell us on Instagram and Facebook at, at something weird podcasts. And if you have any of your own chilly, weird, paranormal, spooky, whatever stories that you want to share with us, please do um, send them on over. We love hearing them. Maybe share them if we have your permission. Um, But it's always a treat for us. True this. And if you enjoyed any bit or any of our podcast episodes, let us know with a big five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Makes us feel amazing. Delighted. Like we're not completely wasting our time. Not that we do anyway, because we're just (laughs) loving this. But um, just like... Dustin De Silva, who he did not leave a review, but sent us a direct message on Instagram. We'll read it out to you. So I know it's been around, but I finally discovered your podcast. I have to say, as someone who listens to a good five hours of podcasts a day, dude, what do you do that you can do that? Anyway, I I want that job. You guys really have my attention the whole episode. The topics are so interesting and you guys are really fun to listen to. For real, keep it up. Thumbs up. That's Be so like sweet. Dustin. Send us a, Thanks, a Dustin. cheerful, uplifting comment, message, whatever. Or if you hate us, that's fine too. Yeah. Keep it yeah. to yourself. <laughs> or not. Or not. Whatever. It's your right. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again next week with another paranormal tale. So until next time, stay weirdy.